0: And we're here for another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell, along with Mitchell Balla, here to give you the latest in local, statewide, and nationwide athletics. Mitchell, it's always good to talk with you, and we're here to talk about many, many big stories that are happening this week, including a special guest later on in the show uh, pertaining to week one of the high school football season.
1: Mitch, good to be back, as always, and Lots to talk about, but also a lot of excitement in the air because high school football is officially back. Like you said, another guest today on the show. We were lucky to have him. And by the time the folks listen to us in our next episode after this one airs, we'll be recapping high school football. I don't know how you feel about that, but I'm pretty excited.
0: I'm extremely excited. And we will be definitely getting to a number of the uh, matchup previews here very soon in the show. But before we get into our first topic, we want to remind you guys that you can listen to us on multiple podcasting platforms including apple Podcasts, spotify and of course anchor we love anchor that is not a sponsor but we love the fact that we can distribute the podcast through anchor and into multiple platforms of course if you're watching this you'll, pro- you'll probably be finding it on spotify uh, on anchor as well but also on youtube youtube.com uh, the big time sports podcast show we also have, have uh, links uh, at least I have links in my uh, social media accounts at Mitch Spinell. He's at Mitchell Balla on Twitter and you can also find our website at bigtimesportsohio.com and all of our Facebook Twitter Instagram pages. So with that out of the way, I want to get into a topic that uh, occurred last night, which was at uh, over a Progressive Field. A very competitive matchup between the Cleveland Guardians and the Detroit Tigers. You wouldn't think that pertaining to the records, but the Guardians still very much in the mix for the AL Central. They were two games up ahead of the Twins last night. Now they are one game ahead after last night's 4-3 to three loss to Detroit. And the big thing that happened yesterday was the game was kind of bookended by two... Kind of disputed calls. Uh, last night in the first inning, I believe it was with a runner on second. Uh, Zach Plisak was on the mound and a ball was hit kind of up the middle and it glanced off second base. So Mike Freeman uh, recovered the ball. And as Javier Baez was rounding third and going home, Freeman threw the ball home and Austin Hedges got Baez uh, right before he got to home plate for the tag. So it's a third out of the inning, no damage done. Well, the Tigers decided to challenge the uh, call and say that Hedges was breaking the league rule by blocking the plate, which you're not allowed to do. It was a, it's a it's a rule that came in development for like the last, uh, you know, seven, ten years ago. Um, and the call was overturned. And that led to Detroit not only scoring a run, but then Kerry Carpenter hit his second career home run later on in the inning. It became a 3-0 Tigers, and that became a huge sort of a a rolling point throughout the rest of the game. I mean, I was in the locker room after the game, Mitch. Zach Plesak mentioned it, said said he thought it was an out. Uh, Austin Hedges had a nearly two-minute just statement is not enough of a word to describe his feelings towards the call, which he, I mean, he called it a disgrace, said that the legal offices in New York owed Zach, police an apology. Uh, and and it's, it's really kind of fascinating to see the response to that. I mean, you, you likely saw the game last night. What were your thoughts on the initial call in the opening inning?
1: I did watch the game, Mitch, and you know, you're there, I'm at home watching on TV. And what's crazy is, you know, a lot of the times when you're there, you get a better view of everything, but Also, sometimes being at home, you get to see more angles of a replay than the fans and and people in attendance of the game get to see on the scoreboard. Yeah. And I actually had a good friend of mine who was at the game sitting down the third baseline, and he said, oh, they're overturning it because Hedges was blocking the plate. And I immediately replied to him. I said, no, he wasn't. And look, they did put this rule into effect years ago, uh, and they actually said it's for catcher safety, which is kind of crazy. I more so want the explanation, and I I obviously did not hear Austin Hedges' uh, two-minute, what we're saying, statement post-game. but I would love to hear the explanation for what Austin Hedges is supposed to do on that play at home plate. He did not block the plate with his body. Now, if you're going to say his foot was in the way, uh, these guys are professional baseball players. You've seen some acrobatic slides before to avoid tags, Uh, Javi Baez being one of them. It was a disgrace. I don't know what else Austin Hedges is supposed to do. Is he supposed to be in front of the foul line in fair territory, get the ball, then dive back at Javi Baez? Because all in the replay you see is his foot is on the foul line. Um, This is now twice now, Mitch, in the past month. We've seen a call like this get overturned, and the first time the Minnesota Twins were victim of it, and Rocco Baldelli and numerous players of the Twins organization were very vocal afterwards. I'm not sure if anybody got fined, but generally... As you know, in professional sports, as soon as you make comments of officiating of any kind, um, generally a fine is going to arrive or a letter saying your fine is going to arrive at your address. It'll be interesting to see, but really that changed the entire complexion of the game. And it's crazy to say, right? Because, oh, it's the first inning, you have eight more to play, but you go from getting out of a, not a jam, but getting out of with a runner in scoring position. To having to go back out there down one nothing with a runner at second now because that runner was awarded second base on the call to down three nothing after Carry Carpenter hit his second career home run and it just changed everything and the Guardians kind of fought back in the first but give crit give credit to Hill the starting pitcher for Detroit he kept the bats silent last night through the five or six innings he pitched um, but. If the Guardians want to prove they're a postseason team, you cannot lose to a team like the Detroit Tigers. You just can't. They're not a good baseball team. They are in last place in the American League Central Division for a reason at 45 and now 74. They better figure it out today because, Mitch, like I mentioned, this is a team they have owned from the Central since 2016. Before this series took place, they were 85-34 and versus the Detroit Tigers since 2016, which is incredible when you play a team over 20 times a season. But if the Tigers win today... They will clinch a winning record versus the Cleveland organization, Indians, Guardians, in the years past. Now, Guardians, obviously, for the first time in years. And the Guardians cannot afford that here late August for a playoff push.
0: Especially when the Twins and White Sox, as we, as, as we mentioned, won last night and those two teams are very much still in the mix. I had the, I, I, got the ruling from Major League Baseball's uh, website last night from the glossary. It says, quote, the catcher is not permitted to block the runner's path to the plate unless he is in possession of the ball. So that, that was the whole thing last night where it was. It was determining when the ball got there, when Baez started uh, started his slide. I mean, it did. He didn't have much of a gap to get to home plate, but he did have enough. I thought he had enough of one to be able to make an effort for it. Now they obviously ruled that with. Uh, it was it was basically the foot on the foul line, uh, basically that uh, had that made him say that you know he had no opportunity to touch the plate. Uh, when warranted it also says uh the continue the runner can be ruled safe if the umpire determines the catcher violated this rule which they determined had just hedges did and that's just a tricky call and then of course you have in the ninth inning this one wasn't i i don't think was as tricky because but it did lead to terry francona's uh ejection from the contest in which uh it was miles straw was up and with, with one out and a runner on third tying or tying run on third And he swung at a low pitch and looked to have missed. And at first, it looked like a foul call. It looked like it was a foul tip. But then the umpires had to come together, and they essentially ruled that the catcher possessed the ball uh, and didn't have to tag or uh, straw out. And then Francona came out because in the postgame, he said he initially thought it was a foul ball and then got ejected. The team loses, and that's just not – it's not a great way to to end the game because there was a lot of uh, booze showered um, on the umpires uh, as the game ended because it, just was, it was a culmination of everything that had happened for Cleveland that night. So it's unfortunate, but now they have to go in and uh, they, they, they got to win this one today because if you don't win it today, that's three out of four that Detroit takes from you. And look, I think Quantrill will have a better – Night than Pleaszczyk well because Pleaszczyk has really been struggling now he's two and eleven on the season I mean what do you think has really what do you think has really kind of led to this black sheep of a season for the Guardians uh, starting rotation?
1: It, it's really hard to say but one thing I will say is every starter in this rotation and I'm talking about the the core five that when we came into the season healthy of Bieber Mackenzie Pleaszczyk Savale and Quantrill. Right? Those are your five guys coming into the season. You knew that's what was going to be. All those pitchers have had rough start, rough patches throughout this entire season. McKenzie had a couple rough starts in a row where he was just giving up the long ball. Bieber did not look like himself. Savali, as we know, has been on the IL quite a bit. Uh, Quantrill had a couple of starts where you almost thought he was betting on the game with them getting a lead and then him just openly letting teams come back. Um, four of those five guys have figured it out, and the one that hasn't is Zach Pleszak. And it's obvious because we've seen in the past week, the guardians pitching staff has been the strong suit of this team and really pacing this team to win. But Zach, please act now two and 11 ERA over four. He hasn't figured it out, Mitch. And look, you can point to lack of run support because there have been some games where he's gotten no run support at all. But at the same time, you're two and 11. You've not done some. It's not been the offense the entire time. Every time he comes out in the mound, um, I know last week in Detroit where we won an extra innings, he left up three to one, was in line for the win. The bullpen imploded. We still got the win. That's all that matters. But he's had some tough luck. But at the same time, Zach that has to figure it out. And you don't know what it is, right? He's still young. He's still very young in terms of, of a starting pitcher in baseball. I believe this is only his fourth season up here. And the one season was the COVID season. So 60 games. You're probably looking at about seven starts or something along those lines. He would be, he's one of the two pitchers in the starting rotation that I would say are expendable. You can move them if you want. And there was a lot of teams that wanted him at the trade deadline. I know the Philadelphia Phillies were a team that wanted him. And the Guardians are wizards at developing pitching. We know that. We know there's a ton of studs down there. We got to see Curry in game two of the doubleheader on Monday. Uh, He actually looked pretty impressive. I know he gave up three, left no chance chance for the loss, could have got the win, but you just have to wonder if, it's, if Zach Plesak maybe hit his ceiling already. You see young pitchers come up, and they dazzle, and they dazzle, and then they kind of hit a wall, and, it, and baseball's a game of adjustments. These are Major League Baseball players. They all get paid. They're all in it, you know, to get paid and win games, but something's not there for Zach Plesak, and you can only hope that every time he goes out there, he finally figures it out. But last night, it looked more of a mental block for me. Having to come back out after the call's overturned, you give up a home run to a rookie just the second of the career if for Kerry Carpenter. I I, I don't know Zach Plezak personally, Mitch. I'm not going to sit here and act like I do. But something's not clicking, I, I think, in his head. And unfortunately, baseball's a lot more mental than it is physical, and I think that's why Zach Plezak is 2-11 and 11 with a 4-plus ERA and why we're talking about him right now, why he's a black sheep.
0: All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get more into the world of baseball. We also have our special guest here coming up in a later segment. Uh, We'll be right back right after these quick messages.
2: Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week, visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish.
3: You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young and Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partner with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as
4: well. Call Ben Nostra & Young Insurance in North Canton at
5: 330-497-1867. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org.
4: When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries.
0: And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show. Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Ballet uh, to give you the latest in sports. So we want to stick in baseball. Obviously, we just talked about the Cleveland Guardians and their loss to Detroit last night. Kind of a a tough one, especially with some of the calls that were made early and late in the game. So staying in Major League Baseball, I want to go over to uh, a couple of stories. One involved the Los Angeles Dodgers losing a key piece of their rotation in Walker Bueller to a season-ending injury. And uh, the other one involves... Uh, a contract extension we'll get to in a second, but I want to stick on Bueller for a second here because Bueller obviously has been one of the mainstays in LA's rotation for the last few years. And uh, when you see an injury like this, Mitch, it's got to be a really tough one despite the Dodgers being the one of the best teams in baseball this year and having a huge division lead. It, it, it has to be a big loss, especially when you every, every piece is important when the postseason arrives.
1: Oh, no doubt. And the main the pitching is the big thing in baseball and a lot of to the common baseball fan, they might think, Oh, Walker Bueller. It's okay. The Dodgers still have Clayton Kershaw. Well, folks, Clayton Kershaw is getting up there in age. There was also, there was almost talks that he wasn't even going to be a Dodger this season. He may have walked away and gone back to Texas and maybe played for his hometown team. Kershaw is still a good pitcher, but he's not the Cy Young award winner. And the guy we saw early 2010s through, through now, Walker Bueller, Mitch, in my opinion, had really come to the forefront of that rotation for the Dodgers and locked down the one or two role, depending on who you talk about. It's a huge loss. Now, it's not a loss that's going to ultimately cost them the division because we've talked about it in previous uh, episodes of the Big Time Sports Podcast. The Dodgers have a very comfortable lead out there in the NL West. But when you talk about a guy at the front of your rotation, when you get to a best of five and best of seven series, he's pitching two, three times and you lose that now. And Walker Buehler is a phenomenal talent, great arm, a right-handed pitcher, throws hard, a lot of off-speed. Just, it's a major blow for the Dodgers. Now, they're obviously prepared for it. They have a ton of talent, both down in the minors as the number one farm system in baseball. They have a lot of guys that they have in the bullpen that I'm sure they'll be able to piece together, and it still won't be a dramatic drop-off if this was said a smaller market team. But there's no doubt about it. Walker Buehler having season-ending elbow surgery on his throwing arm is a major blow for the Dodgers and something we'll have to keep our eye on, especially as we go down the stretch and into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, and, and to be fair, like we said, the Dodgers still have a number of uh, key pieces still on the rotation. You have Tyler Anderson who's been a very good standout this year. Urias has been very good. Uh Gonsolin is 14-1, uh, which is unbelievable this year, which makes seven and three Clayton Kershaw look kind of modest. But uh that's still a very strong uh rotation for LA. And uh, you know, when playoff time, time comes, we'll probably see them kind of take on your AL, your NL Central winners or your NL East. Uh, teams, which the NL East could have a potentially a number of teams representing it with the three-team uh, wildcard system here coming up soon, but we'll see where that goes. Now, the other one we wanted to talk about that was a uh, we mentioned the contract extension. It was uh, from Atlanta and Michael Harris the second. A uh, uh, outfielder for the Braves, agreed to an eight-year deal worth $72 million. Now, Harris is 21 years old, so the deal would run through 2030 and include team options for the two years after that, which are a combined $35 million. Um, Harris was a top prospect uh, entering this year. He has been probably a, a very so- one of the most solid rookie campaigns this year, 287, 12 home runs, 13 steals, 39 RBIs in 71 games since being called up. In late may uh, he also leads all qualified rookies with an 825 ops and you see atlanta kind of making these sort of moves before obviously there will not a C- Cunha situation uh, uh, comes to mind and it's really fascinating to, it's always been kind of fascinating to me in the last few years how early guys will get extensions now because guys because pl- teams want to lock down these players And um, I want to get your take. Is this a smart move for Atlanta to try and keep this guy down for the next uh, near decade? Uh, Should he be able to keep the same development and go even further with his progression?
1: You look around baseball and there's typically teams that are phenomenal at scouting, Mitch. And honestly, I would put the Cleveland guardians up upper echelon there for trades. They've made free agents. They've gotten the Braves are a team. Nobody talks about that. I think evaluates talent with some of the best up there in all baseball. And they've done this already. Like you said, Acuna, Ozzy Albies. You have uh, Austin Riley, who signed a 10-year, $212 million deal. This is a team that's trying to lock up their core at a young age before they hit the market. Kind of like what you saw Juan Soto do with the Nationals and what we saw the the Indians at the time do with Francisco Lindor after 2016. They tried to get him for a big deal, but he declined because he knew what was going to happen. I think this is a smart deal for the Braves because it's a long period of time to a point where if he doesn't progress and he just performs like he did this year, you're not really getting hurt because he's performed very well and he's helped you win games this year as a 21-year-old. And if something happens and he doesn't really get better and he stays this, it's a pretty affordable deal to be able to move off the books in years. But the Braves have done this kind of under the radar, signing all these guys over the past couple of years. The only one they didn't sign was Freddie Freeman, which – They replaced him with Matt Olson from the A's, and that's another guy that's locked up for, I believe, at least eight more years. I mean, the Atlanta Braves' core, which, folks, keep in mind, this is a team that just won the World Series last year after losing their best player on the roster in Ronald Acuna Jr., has tried to lock up almost every single piece on this roster that you know can make an impact every day, and I think it's awesome. I think the Atlanta Braves are a team nobody talks about enough. I think the Atlanta Braves right now, um, obviously, they trail the Mets in the NL East, but I think it's a smart move, Mitch. I really do, because they've shown over the past few years they know what they're doing, and they're following the the book of what I'm assuming is their plan with the front office and, and the coaching staff there in Atlanta. And so I have no issue at all with Michael Harris II signing this extension. I have no issue at all with the Braves offering him this extension because this is a guy that was in Double A, made the jump, like you said, late May up to the bigs as a 21-year-old, and he's performed well in center field with Acuna and Wright. I, I like this a lot for the Braves. I really do.
0: All right, well, we'll get, we'll get to more on that probably eventually down the line. You mentioned Olsen, uh, 28 years old, but he signed through the 29 season. Um, we'll get on back to our next segment, which is the special guest segment, which I'm very excited to show you guys. Obviously, it is a, uh, one of the local guys here in the area, and it pertains to this coming Friday. So we'll get more into that. But first...
2: If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process. You'll find a wide selection of model homes on-site to fit any budget. Open six days a week just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzlers.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish.
3: Hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostrand Young understands that principle. Our access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance. Safety and prevention specialists utilize our Van Can assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business and we can guide you there.
4: Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867.
5: We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org.
1: You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris.
0: and welcome back here to the big time sports podcast show mitch Spinell, mitchell Ballot here and now we take a break to talk uh, with another special guest of ours and that is alliance head football coach tim goodman now alliance opens up this week uh going to possibly be a very competitive team here in the eastern buckeye conference in division three so coach uh thank you so much for taking the time to join us uh i wanted to get off uh starting on your guys progression heading into this season after your guys' three and seven finished last year um uh, how do you feel in your compared to your first season at alliance last year that the player progression and the sort of uh, uh, coming together has has been for this preseason compared to the last
6: yeah I think we're we're on a positive track right now um you know got higher kind of late last year so we kind of had to hit the ground running um and, and I think you know as we head into year two um a lot, things, a lot more things are put in place, you know, the expectations, the culture, the program. And then from player development standpoint, I think we just had a really, really good offseason. Um, you know, one thing I noticed last year, we weren't necessarily the strongest team in the weight room, so we had a really good weight room offseason. Our kids got a lot bigger and stronger. And then I think we got a lot more athletic as well with our kids playing other sports, playing basketball, running track, um, playing baseball. I've noticed the athleticism of our team um, improved as well. And then just generally, obviously, the uh maturity of our kids we know last year we played a lot of sophomores a couple of freshmen um we were kind of a, a young team so just taking that next step um and kind of transferring from a young team to a more veteran team um all those things have been a very positive force of energy or two
1: now coach looking at all the guys you're returning and going into your second year here there's a couple players that you know are highlighted as is with every team you know in Stark county but a couple players that i wanted to touch on are brothers that you have on your team this year. That's senior running back and defensive back Caden Davis and junior wide receiver, Kayvon Davis. Uh, we know Caden's committed to Youngstown state. We know Kavon is a talented junior wide receiver. Go ahead and just touch on, on the brothers and how special they are and what they mean to you when they're on the field and you know, what type of leadership they bring to your team.
6: Yeah. As you said, both are very, very talented athletes. They, they come from good stock as their uh, uncle Kendall. Uh, Davis was was one of the great Alliance debut football players of the past. He went up and had a fantastic career at Michigan State. So, you know, for them to have that guidance at home, and then, you know, they're both great young men that, you know, they love to work hard. They love to compete. Um, and then they both bring a different skill set. You know, Caden's a physical downhill runner, 220 pounds. You know, um, he, he's going to get four yards <laughs> one way or another. Um, and then you look at Kayvon. Vaughn. Kayvon's a little bit more skilled on the perimeter. Um, but he has an ability to take, you know, a, a four-yard catch and turn it into 24 um, in the blink of an eye. Um, so having those weapons for us is is a thrill, and I'm sure it's great for for their mom and dad and their siblings to watch them out there on the field together. I'm sure it's a special moment every Friday night so they get to watch their two boys play together. Well, Coach,
0: I mean, you got a number of guys coming back uh, this year. I believe 25 returning Letterman for the upcoming season. You got multiple guys uh, playing two-way, which is very interesting. How do you feel that helps prepare you for the upcoming year? And what has camp kind of been like with all these guys uh, coming back to uh, try to build off of what happened last year?
6: Yeah, I mean, it's been great to have a lot of guys back because you kind of pick up where you left off. A little bit, um, especially with me bringing a new system in. Um, I feel like you know the kids are more, you know, acclimated to the way we want to do things now. Um, And to have all those guys back that kind of went through that transition process last year and lead the charge into year two, um, it's really a blessing for me. Um, And I I just think, like you said, as we got into camp, we're just a lot farther ahead than we were last year. You know, both both in terms of athleticism and strength. in size and then as well as schematically, you know, being able to do a little bit more offensively, a little bit more defensively with having all those guys back to have experience, just an overall knowledge of the game.
1: And coach, speaking of knowledge of the game, you return. Uh, we just mentioned you return 25 letterman, but going back into specific players here, let's stay on the offensive side of the ball uh, and maybe special teams as well. Cause we know quarterback uh, junior Brendan Zerberg is your quarterback, also a punter, but. What kind of steps has Brendan taken in the offseason and where is he now compared to last year as a sophomore? And just, you know, talk about what we've read is, you know, a top prospect here in Stark County to be recruited to play at the next level.
6: Right. You know, Brendan, is just, he's just a workhorse at the end of the day. Um, he's a four sport athlete. He plays, you know, football, basketball, runs track for the school, then plays in the travel summer league. But, You know, the one thing I admire about Brennan is why he's doing all that. He's still, you know, busting his butt in the weight room. Um, He's getting faster while while, uh, running track, you know, plays fifth in the state in the 300 meter hurdles. Um, So all that work ethic that he puts into just being the best that he could possibly be um, is really starting to show itself. And then just the mental side, um, you know, he's always, you know, watching the film. He's always, you know, trying to get coached up, um, whether it be me, his head coach, or his dad, his quarterback coach. he, he really wants to be perfect in everything he does, and then just like I said, it being year two in, in the the system that I brought with me, I think he kind of understands. And that's always a big thing for the the play call and the quarterback to be on the same page as to why the play callers punt what he calls. And I think he has a really good grasp of that now. And I think he's going to have a really dynamite season for us, as you said. Both not only as a quarterback, but he's a heck of a punter too. So um, we're looking forward to him leading us in those areas.
0: Well, Coach, some other players that uh, are obviously very notable on the on the aviators. Uh, you got a sophomore linebacker, linebacker and running back in Nino Hill, who had, uh, I believe, six sacks and 11 uh, tackles for loss as a freshman, which is very impressive. And then Ovi Jones, a senior defensive back, one of the best pure cover corners in the ABC. When you look at the coverage that those two guys bring to the Alliance defense, do you think of it as other players on, on the defensive side of the ball being ready – uh, to step up as opposing teams will likely have their um their focus on those two specifically.
6: Yeah, you know we return some dynamite players on our defense as well, um, and I think teams are going to be aware of that. You know they're going to have to account for those guys, um, and, and then they're going to test our unproven guys. And we kind of know that going in. That's a conversation that Avi and I had after our couple of scrimmages. Um, you know, people didn't throw at him a whole lot, and it's because he he showed how how good of a player he was last year um so we we are aware of that and you know those guys that are returning for us have really stepped up and, and taken those new starters on defense under their wings just kind of tell them what to expect and help coach them up and get them ready uh, because you know we know our defense is a, really a team defense you got to be good at you know the, the whole picture to be uh sound defensively um so those guys have, have used their experience to really take those young guys on their wings but they're also leading the way and we've to make plays for us
1: and coach, you mentioned earlier this preseason to expect a more stout presence on the line. What, which names do you think we could see showcase the stability along the Aviator line?
6: Yeah, you know, I I think we'll, we'll be a little bit better up front because you know we played uh, three sophomores on our on our offensive line. And all those guys are back. We played a couple. We played a sophomore and a freshman on our defensive line last year, and those guys are back. So I'll, I'll, up front for us offensively, you know, we got our returning starters, Kevin Frazier. Um, Aiden Mozart and Carter Lewis that have really kind of come into their own. And then we have a, a young sophomore, Jason Lewis, who's about six, 400 pounds, that, you know, very athletic, very, very uh, physical, um, weight room strength. So it's all there. So, you know, those guys are going to form the nucleus of our offensive line. I think they're going to give us a, a good punch up front. And then defensively, we, we return Lucius Rouser, um, who just, you know, our, our six, 500 pound guy struggles blocking him at times because he, he's so strong. Um, so he's going to do a great job for us. Uh, and then we have other guys in the Knicks like Malachi, Thomas Allen, Caden Strait, um, Diego Allen, um, you know, Ones Roseboro, CJ Daniels. We've got a lot of guys that are giving us looks on those sides of the ball that, like I said, that were sophomores or freshmen last. year, kind of took that next step to become juniors or seniors um, and had a really good weight room offseason. So, I, you know, it's kind of been a point of emphasis this offseason in the camp that we've got to improve our line play. And we've really, you know, made that, you know, point each, every day and those guys have responded well. Well, Tim Goodman, head coach of the Alliance Aviators on
0: the Big Time Sports Podcast show. Of course, the Aviators opened the season this Friday uh, up against the blue streaks of Lake High School. Now, Coach, how have you been able to manage expectations so far during this preseason camp, kind of leading up to kickoff against Lake? Now, as I mentioned before, the team kind of had a bit of a losing streak last season, but there was some uh, some impressive moments uh, later on in the season, especially with a later season win against Marlington and Again, how do you kind of just build your guys up to try and improve on last year without, like, trying to make it so crazy?
6: Yeah, that that was something, you know, we took that Week 10 win, you know, and kind of took that momentum into the offseason. And that was something we definitely wanted to build upon because I think we finally showed our potential when we're clicking on all cylinders. Um, and, you know, the expectation piece is something that we talk about. You know, it's out there. We're aware of it. Um, but at the same time, we talk a lot about, you know, talk is one thing, you know, behavior is another thing. Um, so we, we're making sure we just take it one day at a time. We know we have potential, but, you know, potential is only as good as, you know, what you do in the football field. So I feel like we've had a, a good summer. Um, we've had a lot of good practices. I, I really like our leadership. I like our, you know, our family atmosphere. Um, but like you said, we got our work cut out week one for us against a really, really good lake team that kind of has the same expectations in their own league with their own team. Um, so we're ready for the challenge. Um, and the big thing is we just got to take it one day at a time to focus on ourselves. And if we can do that, hopefully we can be pretty competitive week in and week out.
1: Coach, you mentioned just there, and in case anybody's joining this late, you guys do open up week one against Lake. That game will be broadcasted on big time sports where folks will be able to rewatch it. Go ahead and and let's dive into Lake a little bit. Lake is a team that maybe didn't have the type of season they wanted, but they also return a lot of players. 21 Letterman return under head coach Dan DeGeorge. What kind of game are you expecting from them? They return a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. They return their starting quarterback from last year. So what is the game plan for the Aviators or what have you guys been focusing on in practice leading up to kickoff this week?
6: Yeah, I think the big thing is physicality. I mean, <laughs> that's been a common theme since you know Coach Durbin was head coach. Coach has done a good job with their staff of keeping that physical aspect of Lake alive. And I think you know when you go play Lake's football team, win, lose or draw, it's going to be a physical contest for four quarters. Um, and like you said, they do returned a lot of their offensive linemen. They're they are big boys, so we know we gotta you know bring in every single snap, physicality wise. And then the other part we really focus on is our conditioning. Um, you know. They're going to have about 80 kids 10 through 12, and we got about 45 10 through 12. So, you know, uh, we got to be in shape. We got to be able to play four quarters of physical football. And, you know, if we do that, we're going to give ourselves a chance to compete with those guys.
0: Well, Coach Tim Goodman, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. And obviously, best of luck, not only for this week against Lake, but for the rest of this season.
6: Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you, Coach.
0: Of course. And that is head coach. Yep, that is head coach Tim Goodman of the Alliance Aviators here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. When we come back, we get more into our regular sports talk right after these quick messages.
4: When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries.
7: You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering Certified Nail Technician as an Adult Education Program. This 216-hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from 5 to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit buckeyecareercenter.org The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company
8: it takes a lot of practice to have a winning team Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate title and escrow transactions they serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison counties and more so choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale or purchase they'll get it done quickly and professionally contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website albantitle.com let them put their experience to work for you
0: And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show. Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bella. And we just talked to Lions head coach Tim Goodman ahead of the Aviators opening week game against the Blue Streaks of Lake High School. So a great talk with Coach there. And uh, Mitch, we want to get into more high school football talk, obviously, as the season is about to start off uh, on Thursday, actually. A few uh, uh, games, including one that we'll be covering here on BTS, uh, Sandy Valley going up against Fairless. You actually just had the both of the head coaches for uh, the game coming up in AJ Sarbaugh for Fairless and Brian Gamble for Sandy Valley. I believe the Gamble interview should be up on YouTube by this point today or tomorrow or yesterday rather. So it will be him and uh, Sarbaugh. You can look up on our YouTube channel, the big time sports podcast show. And of course, we have them in the full podcast wherever you can listen to them. So Going away from that game, because I want to focus in on some other key matchups uh, for this week one, Mitch. What are some of the interesting uh, games that you think people should be looking out for in the area for this week?
1: Well, on Thursday, like you mentioned, Fairless and Sandy Valley, you'll be able to catch that on Big Time Sports. But another game kicking off on Thursday, there's three actually in the area, but a backyard rivalry between Central Catholic and the Perry Panthers. You talk about two schools literally uh, separated by just a couple streets. So that'll be a really fun one to watch. Ah, uh, your other one on Thursday is Crestview at Salem. So three games in the area kicking off. But Mitch, let's move to Friday and let's talk. You want to talk about a big time matchup? You you look ahead to college football. You see there's three top twenty five matchups. You have Notre Dame at Ohio State's top five. I believe Cincinnati at Arkansas's one. This is just like it only for high school football. Powerhouse Cincinnati hmm. Molar at the Maslin Tigers to open up week one of the high school football season Friday night at. Paul Brown, Tiger Stadium. Mitch, that's the first one I'm highlighting because that is a huge matchup between two of the top schools in the state of Ohio and maybe, you know, Massillon, we know one of the most storied schools and programs in the state, but Moeller, they're making a case for it as well. I mean, Paul Brown
0: Stadium is likely going to be filled with many raucous fans on Friday. So I'm very excited for that. Another one you mentioned during uh, our break was one in which the Can McKinley Bulldogs will be going up uh, over to Menner to face off uh, with their week one rivals.
1: Yeah, look, that's going to be another great game. You talk about a, two teams that met last year. Menner got the best of McKinley at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium. Now McKinley's going to look to return the favor and spoil a home game for the Menner Uh, faithful there. Look, Mitch, I told you in a previous episode here on the Big Time Sports Podcast, I think McKinley is a team to watch out for this year. Second year under head coach Antonio Hall. As you know, a lot of turmoil in his first year. that was really out of his control. He is the AD and now the head coach at McKinley, which is awesome to see an alum as the head coach there. But yeah, that's a huge game. And you want to talk about McKinley and Mentor, and then obviously McKinley's top rival, Maslin, hosting Moeller. Those are two of the top premier matchups, but those aren't only the big games this weekend, Mitch. There's a lot to look forward to. There's a lot of hope for every team that kicks off week one this this weekend. You know, So many question marks that we can't answer because we haven't seen some of these teams out there yet. You can only take so much from scrimmages, but let's look no further than who we just had on. Lake at Alliance, we just had head coach Tim Goodman of the Aviators on. Those are two teams that did not have the seasons they wanted in 2021, but Mitch, both returning 20-plus letterman. That could be a great week one matchup that maybe is kind of getting not as much limelight as Cincinnati Moeller at Mass and McKinley at Menner, but for the people that can't make it out there, Big Time Sports has you covered because they'll be there covering the game and it'll air twice, but Mitch, that's also going to be a really great game, I think
0: absolutely and we also have many other uh, uh, interesting matchups down here obviously uh, New Philadelphia will kick off the season at Woody Hayes Quaker Stadium against Cuyahoga Valley Christian Academy uh, obviously the big story there CVCA is going to be leaving uh, the Pac-7 after this or uh, not after this year but after uh, 2025 uh, it just broke a few days ago and then we also have matchups like you have Doughton taking on East Canton in uh, in East Sparta you also have Wayndale going on the road against Tuskegee Valley and then on Saturday you have matchups like like Dover, uh, playing host or, uh, sorry, going on to the road. I believe, yes. Going on the road up against Lake Catholic and then Garraway, uh, will also be going on the road. I believe I want to make sure I get that right. I believe it's against, uh, well, I'll get that here in just a second, but Garraway will be on the road, uh, this coming Saturday. So I'm very excited to see what they could do there. Uh, uh Air, excuse me, Garraway will be taking on Bel Air on Saturday. So I'm very excited to see a lot of these matchups. And first of all, what are you the listener? What is your most anticipated matchup of this coming week? And You can either comment on our YouTube channel under this video, obviously, and or uh, we'll probably put something up on Spotify. You can put like quick Q&As or uh, like a poll or something, and we can have you guys sound off there. But we want to get your guys' input on that. So when we come back, we're going to go into our final segment here, Sticking in Football, but on another level. We'll be right back after these brief messages.
7: All is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes.
8: If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group.
3: Where you matter? You matter, everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. You do matter, and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward, with each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter, too. Alt-Care.
4: Alt-Care,
8: Alt-Care, where you matter.
1: You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. And we're back here on
0: the Big Time Sports Podcast Show, final segment in which we get into some more football after our talks about high school gridiron. So now we go over to the NFL, and uh, we want to get more into Deshaun Watson. Uh, we don't really want to. We have to because we don't know where the Browns' season is going to be going here uh, in the next couple of weeks. Obviously, they open the regular season September 11th against the Carolina Panthers. They actually play this Sunday uh, against the Philadelphia Eagles for their, their second of three preseason matchups. So, Mitch. I'm looking at some of the details in the latest of Watson's uh, uh, current new hearing regarding uh, a potential suspension. Uh, there was a report here from pro football talk. It says that the appeals officer, Peter Harvey has not completed the by-rule expedited review uh, two weeks after the filing. Um, he is waiting until the league and the union reach an impasse in their ongoing uh, settlement talks. Now these settlement talks have just kind of been stagnant to say the least the elite. It's like the, the, Watson, Watson side wants nothing. The NFL wants everything. So eventually it looks like they're going to get something. It was originally six games and now it's uh, potentially going to be at least eight because that's what it was reported that Watson's team uh, could settle on. The NFL might be uh, willing to settle for 12, at least 12 games after originally wanting the entire season for Watson. So it looks like it could be a potential of 10 games. That's not confirmed as of now, not even by a report, but that's more so speculation because it could be 10 games with a potential hefty fine of at least $10 million in salary, uh, at least according to Pro Football Talk uh, speculation from PFT. Is it getting frustrating? It's been frustrating all year, but how much more frustrating is it now seeing something like this just kind of slowly but surely kind of develop? I mean, it's going to be now a few more games potentially. In all likelihood, Um, it's going to be a hefty fine for Watson and then it's going to leave the Browns in an uncomfortable spot because it's too, to me, it's too long for, for a guy like Jacoby Brissett to try and clean up a lot of the mess left there, but it's not long enough for the Browns to make a move for another quarterback to potentially uh, fill the necessary needs.
1: It is so frustrating because of a word you said when we came back from this from this previous break, the expedited process. This was supposed to be quick. It was supposed to we, we were supposed to know by now. Even Judge Sue Robinson took a lot longer than people imagined. So it's very frustrating, Mitch. It's very frustrating. But the Browns at least are already realizing they know Watson's not going to be there. I was at camp a couple of days ago. Jacoby Brissett took all first team reps. Uh, Watson and Dobbs split second and third team reps. But it, it, so the Browns realize look, Watson's not playing week one. I think everybody knows that. It's how many games is he not going to play? Because the Browns are going to have to make a move if it's the entire season, in my opinion, Mitch. Uh, you know, I texted you the other day and I'm no NFL insider whatsoever. I'm not an NFL scout. If I was, I wouldn't be here, guys. So I'm not going to sit here and act like I am. But it's a dark cloud over the Browns organization with. The uncertainty of Watson, but it also makes everybody's hands tied because you don't know. If it's eight games, I thought six you could get by with Jacoby Brissett, maybe eight you could still do it. Anything more, I don't think you can, but even 10 games, you know you're going to get seven out of Watson then. So do you make a trade for quarterback Mitch? Do you go out and get a Jimmy G? there's, there's all sorts of different conspiracy theories and people out there saying, well, this is why the NFL hasn't ruled. They want to make a team trade for Garoppolo. So the Browns get screwed over here, yada, yada, yada. Well, I don't, I don't care about any of that. I want to know how long my franchise quarterback is out. And I want to know what the Browns have to do to make sure that this season isn't a complete waste, because maybe if it was 12 games or a full year, you could say, oh, that's fine. You know what? Let's just run it, get a, see what happens, get a good draft pick. Well, hey, folks, we don't have a first-round draft pick this year. We don't have one next year. There is no more playing for bad draft picks, okay? This team is ready to win now. The defense has improved. You have the best running back room in all of football. It's not a debate. Uh, Your biggest weakness is wide receivers, and this was a huge wide receiver laden draft, and next year there's going to be some big names, but you're going to strike out because you don't have a first-round pick. So, Mitch, I just want to know. I want to know so you and I can move forward. And we can start telling the audience right now what we expect with whoever's under center for however many games and, and let's go. I'm ready for football. I'm tired of talking about Deshaun Watson and settling and, and another man's money of how much he's supposed to, to pay up. But Mitch, the one thing I want to bring up is the fine, right? Right now you're seeing in these settlement talks that are leaking that the, the league wants to find Watson a hefty amount. And there's also the people out there that said, well, Watson didn't play last year. That was a suspension it wasn't a suspension because he was still paid. That's why the NFL is trying to attack his pocketbooks right now, because Deshaun Watson being suspended for a whole year this year, Mitch, doesn't hurt him at all financially for him specifically looking at the deal he just signed because he only has a $1 million salary this year in the 2022-23 season. So that is why I believe the NFL is going after after his money to fine him because he did not play last year, although it wasn't a suspension, But because if they did suspend him for a full year he's not losing anything compared to what he just signed on for
0: yeah that's fascinating because i'm also looking at the the potential for his kind of recovery into game mode uh as we saw in the first preseason game kind of looked like he had to shake off 22 months of rust uh didn't look fantastic i mean it's still the preseason and he it's it's good that this isn't an indefinite suspension for the sake of he can still practice with the team i believe once half of the suspension is over according to league rules if it was an indefinite suspension he wouldn't be able to practice or be able to play these these preseason games but this he can um yeah i i don't really know and and you mentioned the expedited process I, I knew it would kind of t- still take some time. I didn't know if it gets to a point where it's still were t- two weeks from now, we still don't know what decision on this. That's when it's going to get frustrating, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm very curious as to see where the NFL goes uh, with that scenario. So, uh, I mean, if there's any final thoughts you have on that,
1: let me hear them. Well, my, my final thoughts are for everybody out there that wanted to chase Baker Mayfield away. And, you know, listen, I, I was happy with Baker. He was the best quarterback we had since 99, and I get that's not saying a whole lot, but he gave me the best season of my life. I think he gave you the best season of your life, Mitch. I don't. I think if you're a Browns fan uh, or one that's under the age of, we'll say, 26, it was the best season of your life, and there's no debate about it in 2020. I think back to the people that knocked Baker on some things, and I was at camp the other day, and, and one of them, besides his height, was happy feet. Baker always got happy feet in the pocket. What I saw at training camp on Monday, if Jacoby Brissett's your quarterback, you're probably looking at Happy Feet 2.0 because they were doing drills with no line, nobody rushing, and he had happy feet and it was it was red zone drills, and it was it was awful to watch, Mitch. I can't even sit here and say, oh, there were some good things. No. It was it was awful to watch. It looked like a third string quarterback. And Josh Dobbs came in and he was phenomenal. And I'm not sitting here pounding the table saying I think Josh Dobbs deserves maybe a look, but if Jacoby Brissett goes out here on Sunday when they play the Eagles, I know the Browns and Eagles have joint practices Thursday, Friday, and they take on each other Sunday at first energy stadium. If they're not going to make a trade, Mitch, to get Jimmy Garoppolo if Watson suspended for a long for a while this season, I think you really have to start looking to see if if Dobbs may be an option because he's athletic, he's quicker. I know Brissett is obviously bigger in height and stature, but Josh Dobbs looked impressive, and I know there's going to be people out there saying, well, it's practice, right? It's, you're going against your own guys. You're right, it is. But it still says something to me, in my opinion, if Jacoby Brissett can't complete passes to guys in practice, and Josh Dobbs is, and Jacoby Brissett doesn't look very good in practice, and Josh Dobbs does. I th- I think that's that's my final thought other than when Watson was in there, I cannot wait for this guy to be on the field. Strictly as a football player, I cannot wait to see that man under quarterback. I know he looked rusty, and he's going to look rusty. I don't expect him to come out and throw for 300-plus yards and three touchdowns the first few weeks whenever he does step back on that field. But the way the ball comes out, the way he he was running the offense, it looked great. But, Mitch, my other thing I want to talk to you about is what are the Browns going to do on that offensive line? We still have Posick, who we signed from Seattle. He's a six year player from, yeah. or six, this is sixth year in the NFL. He was from the Seahawks. Uh, Deaton, our rookie we drafted, backup center to Posick, goes down. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I have all these big name sources. I'm not going to sit here and tell you Adam Schefter is on speed dial for me, but I do have some people that work for organizations that say J- JT Treader, JC Treader's organization and, and agency hung up the phone when the Cleveland Browns called because of the offer they gave them because it wasn't what is looking for and because they think the Browns did Treader dirty. So what is your opinion on that? Because the offensive line was revamped for Baker Mayfield in 2020, and we saw what it can do. And we saw how vital an offensive line is. You know, trenches is where you really start in football. But losing your starting center in Nick Harris, now losing your third string, but really your backup center now that Nick Harris is out for the year, you have one actual center on the roster, and you're one more accident away from not having a true center on your roster.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm very surprised that a move hasn't been immediately made, especially what what happened with what happened to Nick Harris during the pre, first preseason game, having him get get knocked out for the season. I would think Treader would be the smart move. I don't know if the Browns are trying to, you know, look into any other potential players, especially if maybe there was a deal reached out and they and it was rejected. I don't know where the team goes from here, but you see guys like Pasek can at least be a, a, a serviceable line guy. But uh, I, I don't know where the Browns would go from here. And, and it's going to be tricky. It's going to be tricky with a backup quarterback and a weaker, not saying weak, weaker offensive line. And wide receiver room. <sighs> that wide receiver room where it's like every guy is getting hurt at this point except it's, for Amari Cooper who's coming off. Knock the, on wood right
1: now. You better knock on wood right now, Mitch. I think all Cleveland Browns Nation, is just after you said that, is crossing their fingers.
0: No, no, no. I, I, I don't think it's going to be. There's been a lot of questionable juju over the last uh, few months I guess as it is for Cleveland I don't think we'll I think we've been saved a little bit more but uh, that is all we have for the big time sports podcast show today thank you so much for listening or watching obviously you're, if you're watching this on YouTube be sure to like comment subscribe hit the bell for notifications and when we post um, usually Mondays and Thursdays around noonish. ish um, you can also listen to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify anchor I believe you can listen to those as well and SoundCloud you can't watch on SoundCloud you can listen on SoundCloud so there you go um, that is all the stuff we have there also big time sports SportsOhio.com is our website. And then, uh, I believe, at BTS Ohio on Twitter, at Mitch Spinell on Twitter, at Mitchell Bala on Twitter. Uh, Mitch, what is the the fact of the day, the BTS fact of the day?
1: There are 293 ways to make change for a dollar. I believe
0: it. I believe that. I do, too. I'm not going to go into the
1: math. I'm not good at math, Mitch.
0: I got the ball back this week. I'm not throwing a can, so I'm basically just going to see if I can. Yeah, okay. All right. Thanks for listening, guys.